get a kid that shows that they're interested and they want to do something or they got an idea, don't be afraid to come to the table with that stuff. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where we talk with all kinds of folks in the sports business about marketing and licensing and entrepreneurship and digital and media and everything. It's um, been a pleasure for me working over the last eight years with my co-host, Joe Favorito. Joe, this is officially, I know we referenced this last week, this is the eight-year anniversary, this show, our last show of 2023. We started the show at the end of 2015. Welcome back. Thank you for setting the record straight, Tom. I was it was keeping yeah. me up nights trying to figure that out. Every so often you'll say, Well, when you think about it, five years, anniversaries go right, but anniversaries go the whole year. So, you know, it could be uh, yeah, I guess so. end, whatever. Anyway. But yeah. enough enough about us. Um right. what have you been up to? You want to do just a minute or two on uh any of the hot stories of the week? There's so much going on. The one that I'm obsessed with is this rumored potential acquisition or merger between Warner Brothers Discovery and CBS Paramount. Massive implications in the sports business. How about you? What are you what are you watching? Uh, what am I watching? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's obviously the biggest one. I think uh, Kathy Carter and Brian LaFamina stepping down at LA I saw that. is yeah. really uh, another kind of like shot fired over the bow. Uh, my good friend Chris LaPlaca finishing out his 43-year run at ESPN. Uh, and tremendous credit to ESPN for saying, you know what, we've got interest, interesting people and smart people in-house. We're not going to go out, out of house to try and find his replacement, which they didn't. I thought that was great. Um, you know, um, people Oh, Joe, they, well, the other big one from the week from sports media was the news that John Orand is leaving. Yeah. SMJ. I think it would be more interesting. If you and I were going to NYU, that's more interesting to me. Well, so then, I, I want to say it's interesting because of where he's going. Mm -hmm. You know he's going to Puck. Well, the funny thing there is, as I've talked to several people about this, is you know the grass is always greener, and everyone says, oh, we want to go into sports media. Well, go ask CNBC and Sport and & Story and uh, lots and lots that have come, come and gone because the sports media landscape is very vast to cover but very hard to monetize. And I think the biggest shocker for John after 17 years leaving SBJ, and as I texted him the other day, it's a credit to him as a person, much more than what he ever did professionally, for the kudos that he was getting. And he, he texted me back and said, it's kind of like I'm going to my own funeral, which I guess, <laughs> I guess you can kind of look at it that way. But that's a good thing. And, and credit John, I think, you know. It'll be interesting to see there's probably a half a dozen people who are looking for work really good in that space who I could think of that SBJ uh, may get to fill that role. Um, also, Michael Smith, uh, who's dealing with some effects of Parkinson's, who's covered college sports for SBJ for years. Uh, he is stepping down as well. So, um, you know, transition in the business. Uh, a lot of kind of comings and goings at this time of year. I thought it was interesting to see some of the companies SBJ picked for their their tech innovation awards. Um, kudos to a couple of people that, that we know, Genius Sports, Kitman Labs, WSC, um, and Venue. So, um, you know, all good stuff. Interesting kind of finish to the year. And, of course, you know, I would expect the Dodgers to go and sign Sadahara O next is probably their third yeah, boy. Big Japanese player. What a story. So, 
the LA Dodgers are right now. It's going to yeah, be- and, and one other thing I want to kind of put out there, Tom, yeah. because by the time we do this, and we'll be talking about a place where I will be a week from, well, the first Friday in January, which I don't know if you're going to go, but uh, in the hallowed halls of Madison Square Garden. But that same day, uh, the PWHL, which is the new women's hockey league launching on, on New Year's Day, will play their first game at UBS Arena, which will be interesting in New York. Oh, wow. Okay, uh, cool. And that is also the day that Iowa women's basketball will be playing at Rutgers at 2 o'clock in the afternoon in what I've heard is the, the biggest secondary market for a women's basketball game not in the NCAA tournament ever for tickets to go to see um, the Hawkeyes and their world-class star play against the Scarlet Knights that day. All right, there's another big property coming to MSG in a couple weeks, Joe. That's where we'll be. I will be there that Friday. So Okay, so um, let's get into it. Joe, how many times in eight years have we had someone on who's had this combination of jobs? NHL, NFL, WWE, Orange County Choppers, PBR. The answer, of course, is zero. Um, we're talking, for anybody who knows the business, you know who we're talking about. <laughs> he's, a, he's a well-known veteran of the business, been around since uh, the early days. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, honored to call him a colleague from the National Football League back in the 1990s. John Sohegan, who's never been on the pod, surprisingly, in eight years, one of the more um, accomplished and colorful veteran executives in the business. John, we're really pleased to have you after all this time. Welcome Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's it's so nice to be a part of you. Part of and the, um, by the way, he also finishes the run. I don't know if there's anybody left from the state of Connecticut who we have not had on now. So. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of, you know, we, we, we were recently at a Connecticut sports business get-together, yeah. uh, John mm-hmm. Sohegan and I, and it's amazing how many people live in this area, and uh, it's nice that many of us have kept in touch, so that's a cool hey. thing. By the way, speaking of that, Tom, before we get to it, congratulations to Glenn Herrine on his new job. Yes, nice news from Glenn Herrine, uh, who's a close friend of uh, John's. All of us. Um, Amazing uh, for him working with the, let me see if I can get this right, the Sports Industry Fitness Association. Sports Fitness Industry Association. SFI is the acronym. Well done, Glenn. which, Which is the outcome of the old SGMA, Sporting and Manufacturers Association, back when we were starting out in the business. All right. So he is currently the VP of licensing and consumer products at professional bull riders, which many of you know is owned by Endeavor, which also owns WWE, which has merged with UFC owned by Endeavor uh, in a business called TKO. So a lot to unpack there. But the really interesting one is we're about to do, we're about to see the annual pilgrimage of the bulls to New York city coming to Madison square garden. I don't know how many years it's been going on at least 12 or 13, I suppose 15. Wow. Where the first weekend in this case, it's going to be what uh, Jan five through seven. seven. Yeah. Yeah. Five through seven professional bull riders will be an MSG. And as someone who's had the privilege of going in person, anybody in the New York area listening is going to be around. You got to go check it out. So, that's coming up. Where do we begin, Joe? Let's, uh, so, let's start. Wait, wait, wait. Start we have to start now. with the tremendous accomplishment that John had for getting a bull to run through Newark Penn Station as a, a promotional. That was the best promotional move ever by PBR. Yeah. 
How did how did you pull that one off? They just just wanting to go free. That's all they want to do. Wow. Our our bulls are the only male bovines in the United States that die of old age. You know. Yeah, I've heard that. Andrew G. That's Gola, a really interesting. Tr- 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 our, our guys one go that out. Did not know. All right, well, let's let's stud. let let's um. There's a bunch of things we want to talk about, including what's going on in the world of licensing and consumer products. It's a topic we don't get into very often in the show, and it's really important, particularly as we see stories that many of us have been reading the last year or two about more leagues and teams even, such as the Brooklyn Nets just announcing this, I think this week, Joe, about doing new lines of apparel, really extending the boundaries of consumer products beyond Mm -hmm. the obvious ones that I think we all grew up with in the business. It's quite interesting to see. So let's Maybe we could start there. Why don't you talk a little sure. bit about your job and mm-hmm. let's get into a broader discussion about the trends in licensed uh, merchandise and consumer products in pro sports. Interesting. Everybody wants a lifestyle brand right now, right? Everybody wants to be on the fashion right. side of things and all of that and take advantage of fandom. But um, so PBR is, is a unique setup. It's similar to WWE's in that we are a touring business. So we have a very big merchandise operation. Um, which is the event-based business that, that's at Madison Square Garden or the different venues that we go and play. And then there's the licensing side, which is a whole different animal. Um, up until two years ago, I was selling the league logo, right? So imagine when the NFL guys, if all they had was the NFL shield when they were out selling licenses, right? People don't buy the NFL shield. People buy their teams that they love and and that kind of thing. So, so my job was to take the the PBR star, as we call it, what I'm wearing on my chest right now, and the PBR bar, and and get that onto product and get it into stores. Um, not an easy sell, right? Obviously, we're we're still a niche sport. We are, um, you know, the the guys that that are the the foundation and the backbone of our sport are the guys that you know raise the food that we all eat, right? The ranchers and farmers, and um, I actually just read in in toy book that that the farm and fleet toy business is is up the most out of any other retail channel uh in the past year we're up 25 percent in farm and fleet which is tractor supply what, big john, john what does that mean can you explain that i have no idea what that means yeah <laughs> farm and fleet or yeah <laughs> um so so in rural and not so suburban areas there's a, a big store. It's not Home Depot. It's not Lowe's. It's Tractor Supply. It is Murdoch's. It is Big R, where you get mm. parts and pieces to fix your tractors. Uh, you get uh, home goods. You get apparel. You get boots, work boots, cowboy boots. Um, so it's sort of the general store, if you will, of rural areas. Uh, Tractor Supply now has almost 2,000 stores. Um, and, and they're not in cities. They're not in, you know, they're so... It, it it's something where people have to make it's an appointment purchase right you got to go and okay we're going to town we're going to buy all the things we need to to gear up but they're starting to expand their their inventories and and include some of our licensed product um but also other lifestyle products right yeti yeah. yeti is a, a big example of somebody who started in that kind of field because these are outdoors people and um Folks who are, are, they need a cooler that, that they can put a little bit of ice in and it's going to last for a couple of days. Um, so that's where they got started and they built their way out and they've become a, a great national brand. Um, but they started in in Farm and Ranch. 
Got um, there's a group called Mid-States based out of Minnesota that represents all of the little ones. So you, from a distribution standpoint, you can get to all the mom and pops and um, smaller markets by going to Mid-States. Um, but the other big ones are, like I said, Murdoch's Big R and that kind of thing. Got all it. right. So talk about your, your remit in this job, just more broadly. What what are you uh, supposed it, to do for PBR other than make continue to make more money? Yeah, it, it's it's broad. Um, it it is the merchandise that we do um, at arenas. It's e-commerce. Uh, up until we closed down our magazines, it, it was publications. Um, I did. We just did come out with a 30th anniversary uh, coffee table book that I, I I need to promote. And that's still a thing. Yeah, I was, gotta, I was, flinging, I was making those at the NFL, Joe. Back when there I it is with, with John. Yeah, oh, that's funny. It, you got to self-publish. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants. Right. It's just going to sit on a table. But we we did a couple of thousand. We use them as corporate gifts. We use them as giveaways. Um, we had a big 30th anniversary bash, and all our partners got the book, and and we have it in our e-commerce store. So um, it was a great exercise. It was the the young woman who who wrote. Um, the narrative to go along with the pictures of our longtime photographer, Andy Watson, very sharp young lady named Casey uh, Albert, uh, who's with Endeavor. Um, she works for Andrew, your friend, Joe. Um, mm-hmm. Andrew's book, Love and Try, is actually yep. printed twice. Um, and he's telling stories about all the different people and characters in our, our world. Um, interestingly, one of the people he told a story about is a woman named Johnny Junkowski, who used to ride bulls in the 80s and 90s. Um, first lady to win a gold buckle riding bulls, um, badass woman. Um, I'm working with her now on putting together a ladies line of apparel and we just, the belt buckles are in, we're going to introduce the first couple of pieces at Madison square garden. Um, so it's very interesting uh, how things kind of come around in our business. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly on the, on the licensing side, my biggest partners, my biggest product licensee is called true fragrance. They make fragrances. And you would think of bulls, you don't think of great fragrances, but these guys are tremendous marketers. Um, my my key contacts based in New York, and um, we were we met yesterday, as a matter of fact, and and the business is going. Our our latest flavor is called Anejo, um, and it's distributed, you know, throughout the country. And he, they do a tremendous job. It, it, the division of their company is called True Western, and they have a number of Western fragrances if you will they merchandise them together they create the point of sale materials and people buy it based on smell not necessarily what they see but these guys are very creative and the art isn't just logo slap they they really build a brand and when we started together uh we probably tripled our business in in the last five years based on the things that they've been doing the creativity and the, the merchandising that they do um and then the biggest licensee overall is actually bars and restaurants we just opened our 14th bar, PBR Cowboy Bar in Nashville on 2nd Avenue. Um, number 15 is slated to open in February in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, many of them are parts of larger um, developments around sports arenas and stadiums. So you might be familiar with the Battery in Atlanta. You might be familiar with Ballpark Village in St. Louis. Um, there are PBR bars that are parts of those complexes, and they do incredibly well. We've got one in Philadelphia um louisville baltimore um kansas city is the and the you're first doing those deals that's that's you that's my yeah my partnership yeah. that's a, it's nice. a license okay. deal we are the only sport that has had success in the food and beverage area that's amazing um, every other sport has opened a restaurant right. and closed them down 
we had a, a place in Vegas with a, a, a separate partner, um, Fine Entertainment, that was the PBR Rock Bar, and it did incredibly well for 12 years. But he was at the Miracle Mile shops, and as his lease was up and F1 was coming to Vegas, they kind of said to him, oh, you got to triple your rent, and that didn't work, so he's looking for a new place. Um, but again, from phenomenal operator, was great for our brand, um, and and we'll be going again in Vegas probably within the next eighteen months. All right, we got to get it. We got to double click on that one. Why? Why is that true? Why? Why is PBR the only property in sports that seems to have uh, staying power in this area that almost every major sport has tried to get into, including media companies like ESPN? I mean, Joe used to hang out yeah. at ESPN Zone with his ESPN phone. Forty Second Street. I used to love that place. <laughs> Right, using the old. Oh, how, about, how, about, wait, how, about, how about All Star Cafe, which was right down the street? Boy, what a disaster yeah. that was! All right. So, yeah. Anyway, no. So seriously, why? So we, what's we going on? The, why is this work for you guys? I, I, a couple of things. One is that the folks who develop the developers are, are Cordes companies based out of Baltimore. Um, the way they go about doing business is they incorporate it into a larger facility that has a number of different concepts. Right, their big sports concept is called sports and social. So we're always typically with the sports and social. Um, at at um, Texas Live down in Arlington, we're located in between AT and T Stadium and the new Texas Rangers ballpark. So it's right there, right? So people are coming in on game nights. It's a nightclub. It's not a restaurant necessarily, um, and it's it's a country bar and it's built for people to have a good time. Um, it is, there's TVs obviously, and, and they show some bull riding, they show some other sports, but it, it's about coming in and dancing and having a great time. They have what they, they call buckle bunnies or their waitresses. Um, there's a mechanical bull in all of them. Um, and, and they're designed to the way the playlists are put together, come in and dance. They teach you line dancing. Um, but it's not all country and it's not all whatever they, they really make it a great great experience so so two questions are well one is an observation i i can't see steve cohen putting one of these in flushing by the way as, as part of what he's doing <laughs> maybe you never know um so so i think one of the things would be interesting to hear your your pov on is knowing who you are and knowing what you do because um some of the the biggest failures i think in the restaurant business and even in the the branded spirits business or when people come along and you know NASCAR drivers decide they want to do fine wine or um, how much of it is are people going to these things because they're fans of PBR or just because it's a good time or a little bit of both? first and foremost it's a good time mm -hmm. for, from, from where we sit right it's a great branding experience because people do come in and have a great time and they're left with the PBR name they don't necessarily go into it because it's PBR it's a PBR cowboy bar so it's cowboy, it's Western, it's it's country. They know that they're going to, you know, have a different experience than they're used to typically in some of these markets. Cool. So, right. so, so look, we, we understand who we are. We're not we're not for everybody. There's still, you know, animal rights issues out there. We Our animals are treated better than our riders. Um, but it's still not for everyone. So what we do is we play to our strength. We do what we, the best we can with what we've gotten. I've been here seven years now, and we've done an incredible job under um, Sean Gleason's leadership in building the fan base, in building our exposure. Um, we try to partner with with great business partners. Cordish is one of them. On the sponsorship side, we got people like Tractor Supply, Monster Energy. Monster sponsors the 
the buck off at the garden. You know, where else can you can you make money just putting buck off on something? We can do that. <laughs> so we can be a little irreverent, right? Um, you'd be surprised that some of the people that own bulls. Bernie Taupin, Elton John's partner of all those years, owned bulls for years. Larry the Cable Guy owned bulls. Reba McIntyre owns a bull. Um, there, there are people that you wouldn't ordinarily think of that are involved in this business that you keep layering back. James Pickens from uh, Grey's Anatomy is, is a roper. And he comes to our LA event every year, and he just loves being around it and being around the Cowboys. He's very involved with the Bill Pickett Rodeo. One of the things that we've done over the last couple of years is, you know, when I first started, we weren't allowed to talk about rodeo. I wasn't allowed to say the name, and I had right. never been to a rodeo. Um, but we've embraced the Western culture and lifestyle and tried to get deeper with it and partner with different people in it. Um, so we are getting involved with rodeo. We just announced a, a Kid Rock Rock and Rodeo that we're going to put as part of our world finals in Fort Worth in, in May. Um, Kid Rock's all about it. We're going to have it's going to be a team series thing, which will be very exciting. So, so John, question off of that. Um, my buddy, Andrew Giangola, head of communications at PBR, has probably drank more PBR Kool-Aid than anybody alive. And he's oh, great at it. Just so like a different aspect. Um, we've had really interesting conversations about what he's called the Yellowstone effect and, mm -hmm. and all the Yellowstone stuff and how that's really kind of driven interest, not just on the team stuff that the PBR has been doing, but just overall for that kind of, you know, 1990s Ralph Lauren feel for things about the, the American West. Is that something that like, did you, have you guys looked at that and has that really played out saying, you know, Yellowstone has become this mega series with multiple pieces. Now, obviously with, you know, another piece of one of the other sh offshoots is um, uh, a sheriff of color, which has gone very, very well. Um, has that helped lift the brand? And if so, how? I believe it has. Obviously, you know, rising tide lifts all boats, right? So it's Western lifestyle. It's it's wearing making those hats cool again. It it you know. Whereas I you know northeasterner, uh, I, I was a poser by putting on a cowboy hat, right? But now it, it's more accepted. It's something that happens. When we come to Madison Square Garden. I'll sell five hundred straw cowboy hats because people in New York love to dress up. They got a pair of cowboy boots in their closet. And they ring them out once a year to come to Madison Square Garden in early January. Um, Yellowstone has made that all acceptable. They've made it kind of hip and cool. Um, we've even partnered. And, and those guys all love what we do. The guys that are involved in that, that production. Cole Hauser is now a partner of the PBR. And we just introduced a big, you know, he, he's kind of the spokesman for us for the next couple of years. He produced a seven-minute film on his own, like it was his development and he narrated produced it etc um if you go to our website go pbr.com it's right there um it, it's phenomenal it shows the country and where our our folks come from and what we're all about and it really showcases our lifestyle um so i think yellowstone has had a positive effect obviously there's some people that take it a little too far it's like anything else that you do um but it's been great for us and, and, but i don't think it is 100% responsible for what's been going on, right? We have a great TV partner in CBS and CBS Sports Network. Um, we've got all of our programmers on Pluto when it's not on either of the other two. Um, our television shows, we did, a, I think, a 1-8 and a 1-9 the last two Saturdays or Sundays that we were on. And so we've got more viewers than the NHL has. And, and I'm an NHL guy from, you know, from when I was a kid. 
Um, people are interested. It, it's something that, and look, it's there's a little bit of the wreck thing going with it too, right? Um, even if they're a great ride, guy has to get off. And a 140-pound guy on a 1,600-pound bull, and they can be pretty even if they had a great ride all the time, right? So there's some people that like to watch for that as well. So there's a little something for everybody in it. it it's the... It's the ideal ADD sport, I call it, because you pay attention for eight seconds and then you can go do something else and then you come back. So for, for this younger generation, it's got the action, it's got the excitement, but it's also got the breaks they need because they're multi-screening and doing all the different things that they do now. It's funny, this comment about ADD. When I, I did some consulting for PBR for about a year and a half, 11, 12 years ago. And so that w would have been one of the first events at msg and we did a deal with youtube I, I believe it was one of the first live stream what i call major events maybe the first at msg i i was a nervous wreck sitting in the stands good seats mm -hmm. watching this on youtube was uh pretty amazing but one of the things we talked about uh john with um, the team there and sean was this idea that since bull rides are eight seconds long i mean eight seconds max that's that's mm -hmm. actually accomplishing what you want to accomplish, lasting eight seconds. I remember thinking it was the early stage of when social media was really getting adopted quickly. Instagram had just launched. So short form video was becoming this thing. And I said, I remember kind of having an aha moment at one point saying, oh my God, this is the perfect sport for short form social video. Because if right. you see a rider on a bull with a play button in front of it, like a still image, I defy you not to click it. You know right. it's not going to be any longer than 10 seconds, and it, anything can happen. Right. Um, and we tried to get into, to you know, kind of capitalize on that, obviously, ultimately in the realm of social media. Um, it, it is a little bit more of a challenge. This is my observation on television, because what I realized as I watched more of it, because I did go to a number of events in person, and I was watching stuff on TV, I still do from time to time, is that the actual exposure time of the stars, the athletes, is quite Minimal. relatively small compared to other sports. Is that something you actually think about in terms of trying to um, promote the athletes and build yeah. them up? Because the building it's a up very of superstar athletes has been such a key thing in sports right now. Right. And, and to your point, that's one of the biggest challenges we face. Because if you think about it, between – Getting on, tying yourself onto the bull, ride and walk off, it's less than a minute. Exactly. And, and the top stars of the game don't have a chance, right? Um, we we did a, a series for, um, oh, geez, Amazon Prime called The Ride. Um, eight, eight episodes around our team series first year. Um, that really opened the door to, to showcasing some of the guys and their personalities. Um, we try to do a lot with our our um, our own social um, channels. Um, one of our sponsors did a thing called Cowboy Cribs, and we'll take, you know, they'll do a three-minute kind of go to one of the guys' houses, and they'll showcase their family and their house and their farm and their, you know, Mark. what they do in their off time. So we really try and get the guys out, out front. Um, the other thing that really hurts our sport is that these guys are also, a uh, chance of getting hurt is 100%. Yeah. Right. They, they they all get hurt. How long are they going to be out? You know, the, these guys have incredible pain thresholds. Um, JB Mooney, our, our goat, it was a guy that said, if you can stand up and walk, you're getting on a bull. 
it doesn't matter if you just pop your shoulder back in or you put a brace on your knee, you just go and you do what you do. Um, Cause in, in the, in our individual team series, I mean, our individual um, series, which is unleash the beast, you don't ride, you don't get paid, right? They're all independent contractors and the, and the top eight guys of the weekend are going to get a paycheck. The other 27 guys are not getting a paycheck. Can I ask you this? I know we're straying a little bit from licensing and consumer products, but this is a really interesting point because one of the big themes in sports right now is rights holders, league owners, et cetera, adapting the actual product, the game itself, to accommodate different tastes. One of the big wins of 2023 was the pitch clock, for example, in baseball. Mm -hmm. Regarded as a huge success uh, in, in shortening the games, etc. Other rules changes that you've seen come to sports like NBA, NFL. Every, everybody's thinking about this right now. Is there actual? If you're able to talk about this, is there actually talk about adjusting the product itself to address some of those issues? Like, no, it's not written yeah. in stone that a ride has to be eight seconds or ten seconds or something like that. But or that that. You know, you're dealing with this reality that these top riders are only going to get a total of how many rides they do per night, like four rides or five rides, maybe? Yeah, top rider rides, everybody rides once a night. Yeah, at least once, but sometimes more, right? Uh, only on a, on the championship round day. Right. So, so think about that. The last so the, day, we'll ride two. So imagine if, if all these NBA stars were playing for, you know, one minute Right. NBA game that would be tough from a marketing standpoint so anyway is there any thought about trying well, to well, rethink what you actually present well the, the big thing in our sport has been going to a team series right okay. so we now have franchises so each of these franchises has a, a roster a protected roster and um it makes it easier for fans to follow it gives us a chance to highlight the guys that are on a team and promote them as a team um so there's more opportunities for people to try and get to know them especially from local promotion and publicity um and it's a guaranteed paycheck so if you're if you're going to ride during a team series you're getting paid so we're using that there's there's a lot more on the web about the different guys and their backgrounds and where they've come from um but again it's just the nature of the sport to be brief if you will but the team thing is, is really um, I, I think that, that Sean was brilliant in coming up with the idea that fans are used to following something. You want to follow a team. You can tell an aggregate score, who's winning, who's losing, where the standings are, typical things that a sports fans used to looking for. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing that's going to open things up a little bit for us, too, is that Endeavor's Open Bet has figured out a way that they can put odds on bull riding, and now you can start gambling on, on bull riding. So with all the betting that's going on, Mike Vaccaro in the post uh, wrote this, you know, article recently about how is the way that we're fans, has it changed because of betting? Are you going to be a Jets fan? Are you going to be a fan of your fantasy team or the, the prop bet that I made for whatever? So that's something that's going on in our industry right now and is very big. Now you're going to have a chance to to follow it and have a little bit more because you can do ride or no ride. Who's gonna Who's gonna score what? Um, you're betting on the bull or you're betting on the on the rider. So uh, I think that'll help people kind of start identifying as well. What's the You've been to a lot of PBR events, I gather. Yeah. What's What's the craziest thing you've witnessed at a PBR event? Oh, 
at a PBR event. Well, or I mean, you can go beyond PBR because you've been to a zillion hey, sports events with the, so, the so Madison. <laughs> the craziest thing I've ever witnessed in sports. Um, back in the day when I worked for John Ziegler at the NHL, one of my jobs was all-star fan balloting before there was anything such thing as online voting. Um, we had to put boxes and, and ballots in, in arenas. Um, I went to the old, uh, the old stadium, Chicago stadium, Bill Wirtz, the owner gives me a tour. This nice kid, he's walking me around. He's saying, John, this is the world's largest tavern. I'm here to sell beer. <laughs> That's what I do. Um, but in between periods, he I got invited into the family suite and they were trying hot dogs. So Bill had like 15 different hot dog friends there. Come on, John, try this one. We gotta they're deciding what hot dog they're gonna, gonna serve at Chicago Stadium. Like just wacky stuff. Um, when I worked for, for Mr. Ziegler, um I went to every board of governors meeting. So I was very involved in when they did the vision of the 90s right before we we um the expansion teams were the um Tampa Bay Lightning and the Ottawa Senators so when they go through the exercise to expand we would have a lot of board of governors meetings and a lot of times they're in Florida and Bill Wirtz had his had his boat there um and my job was to and John and, and Bill would would debate the world until four or five o'clock in the morning and my job was to get John back to the hotel so he could run the meeting the next day. Um, so I had quite a few of those kind of nights with those guys too. Um, it was the golden age of sports in my mind, you know? Well, yeah. And you saw some of that at the, well, probably at all these stops, but and anything, yeah. I, I think um, it's hard for people who haven't been to a PBR event to imagine what they're like. That's why again, yeah. I'll urge no, everybody and, and to look, check the, it out when it comes the, to your the, town. The coolest thing is we, as opposed to the sports, we can put you on the playing field. So we have this thing called the shark cage that's in the middle of the arena. It's a right. stage for our entertainer, essentially. And it's a place to put a TV camera. But we have four seats in there. And fans can actually buy in for a section or five rides and actually watch a bull ride face-to-face -face with the bull coming at you. Yeah. Um, and the first time you get in the shark cage, and, and if uh, I'm putting this offer out to both of you right now. I'll be there a week from Friday. I'm in. Yeah, Joe, Joe and I will be in the shark cage I'm together. In. Right, could yeah. end, it could end the podcast, Joe. You could do the podcast from the cage. <laughs> we're, we're in. We're, we absolutely we're doing this a week from Friday. The first you Friday in the cage. There is nothing cooler in sports than than watching a bull ride from the cage. Yeah, yeah. I I had the privilege of standing on. You call it the shoot, like where everybody line, you know, gets yeah. ready. Is that called the shoot? Yeah, yeah, standing right at the shoot, and, right above um, the the year. Well, the the first time I went to one, which is which was MSG, and I, I would say Joe that. Of all the major sporting events I've been to, that was one of the coolest moments because it's there's nothing like it. Obviously, yeah. seeing this giant bull in front of you that is clearly ready ready for action because they're they're so eager to get out of the the shoot, and it was really it really made a big impression on me because I had never I really had never imagined what that was like. So, anyway, it's an interesting thing for you guys because if you can sell that uniqueness, which you do, yeah. I think. Well, so we we now have shoot seats. We now have dirt right. suites. We now have. So we really, sweets, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> all dirt sweets. Um, but there's an opportunity to be up, up close and personal with all of it. Nice. I can't um, wait. You'll Joe, you'll love it. It's really I'm cool. so into this. Um, you, you have to, you have to live it. But the two questions, John. Is when you go up, I want to see Joe in a cowboy hat. That's, that's what so I'm that I won't for. do. I actually, I went to Jessica Berman's wedding in Montana and I, it's the only thing I didn't do. I have Western wear, which I will bring next Friday. But, but you won't wear a hat. Cowboy hats just don't do me for some reason. Yeah. You can't. Baseball it, hats. It, 
it, it's an attitude too. Yeah. Um, um, but interestingly, I, I call yeah. the smartest guys in our organization the guys who put the bulls in order. So there's a bull draw before every event. So the, the riders are paired with the bulls and the order is set. These bulls come in from different stock contractors and they have to be put in pens in the arena and they have to be put in pens so they can get into the, the, the setup shoots before they come out into the bucking shoots. So the order has to be incredibly correct. You know, you can't mess that up. Um, and the guys who put them in order and then watching the bulls prior to an event, just like human athletes, you got some that pace, you got some that'll lay down and just chill. You got some that are two two bulls in a pen because they grew up on the ranch together and they got to be together and they don't want to. So once they go from those holding pens into the, the the I guess, lineup shoots that to go into the bucking shoots, that's when they know it's time to go to work. They're incredibly bright creatures. They're treated incredibly well. And a top bull maybe will have 20 outs during the course of a season. So if you multiply that times eight, it's 160 seconds, which I think is less than three minutes of work over the course of a year. That's a good so living. It's, it's a good living. And then you get retired. By the way, do that yeah. for and that's more time than Aaron Rodgers spent on the field for the Jets this year. There you <laughs> go. Touche. Touche. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers would be a great cowboy. Yeah. Uh, hey, um, two questions. One yeah. is um, as we advance into AI, AR, VR, obviously, I would imagine that somehow will come into play with experience, experiential of what that's like. The other question is, what about the licensing of the bulls? Like, I mean, making them, and I know that they have their own kind of persona, but I remember I uh, was talking to Mark Fine about this last year. It's like, you know, you look at NASCAR and so many people, in, in, I would imagine the PBR NASCAR crossover is pretty strong, but... People are fans of cars, and they are fans of this model. Um, the licensing of the bulls mm -hmm. as as their own properties, does that happen? Could it happen? And if it can't happen, why? It started with Bushwhacker. There was an incredible amount of Bushwhacker product. Everybody's heard of Bushwhacker. Mm -hmm. um, right now, I sell we, – we take top bulls and we create plush out of them. We make plush, and we sell an incredible amount of Wupa plush. Wupa is the – was part of the tandem that has the highest scored ride in PBR history with Jose Vitor Leme. Um, Wupa just retired, um, but we sell probably. Well, can, can you stop there for a second? Because I yeah. don't want to make sure everybody missed this. You're buying a part of the bull, like they're cutting, like. No, 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 no. It, it's, oh, no. it's a plush that, plush that replicates yeah. the bull. Oh, oh. I, don't, I thought no. like they're stopping the plush. <laughs> How cool would that be? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, if you really want to grow, if you really want to grow the business, you know, that's, the next, that's the next yeah. level. Well, yeah. one of the things that I we can't obviously license is, is like beef jerky, right? Like because then it's sort of like, <laughs> what other sport can can the athlete become part of the product? But we we just won't go there, right? We don't want the Jets. We're back to the Jets again. Yeah, yeah, that's a really go. good point, yeah. right? Yeah. Talk, um, about so about talk about endemic talk opportunities. But, but to, yeah. to, so AI is something that. Believe it or not, we've been experimenting with for a while. Our, our um, IT guys, the, uh, the guy who runs that department is brilliant too, but uh, timing systems, right? The, 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 there's I forget what they call it. This is way out of my kind of league, but there, there's now an eye in the sky that's going to determine because eight seconds, you'd be shocked at how many rides are a hundredth of a second or two hundredths of a second off right? That you, you fall off at 799, you don't get credit. So when the shoulder or the flank 
breaks the plane of the shoot is when the clock's supposed to start. And that has always been a guy with a button in his hand. So now during teams, we experimented with an AI system that actually was the eye in the sky to, to determine when the, the bull left the shoot. Um, and again, this is way out of my kind of thing. So, but I just know, know our guys are working with technology incredibly yeah. well. We've tested more. sensors on the bulls. Um, well, that's what I was going to ask. So, are there are there chips? Can they do put chips or sensors on the bulls to measure this they, as well? We we experimented with with sensors on the bulls. It, mm. One of the things is you don't want to to attach a sensor to a bull. You got to tie it on, or you got to and and so it makes it. And I don't think they want to put a chip in a bull. I think that that's that kind of mm. goes over the line. Um, but we've kind of gone down that road, and I, I don't think one of the things that it was going to measure was sort of twists and turns. And so bulls judged on, on his movement, right? So how high is he going? What are the G forces? Um, all those types of things. Uh, and, and I think we're still looking at all of that, but I don't think that's a primary concern, right? It's about the entertainment side of it and all of that. Right. Cool. We will see chips in NFL players before we will in bulls, Tom. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so right now, that's still 100% um, human judgment on the bull scores. During the UTB tour, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because yeah. that's an interesting question. One one thing that I had never thought about that I learned from watching Drive to Survive and getting into F1 was how the team principals and the engineers don't even actually watch the race. They're just watching the data screen, which determines all. Right. So you mm -hmm. could argue that if any of the managers i don't know what the, the cowboys the riders have managers or their teams um if they could actually get the data on all these bulls in advance it'd almost be like a scouting exercise before uh, an event right. to know what they, they, well they do watch a lot of film and know the tendencies i know but i'm just talking about actual during. hard data yeah. coming from the actual yeah, that, that we haven't now. haven't gotten that yet i think right. it's a huge investment right. and it's still to be determined how much it's going to add or detract from the the overall sport if you will yeah yeah um so uh, and and just one thing i want to throw in here before we kind of and it's off topic a little bit but i was never so proud as during the pandemic that sean stood up and said we're going to get our guys working mm. we we were the first guys back sean put up put together this monster energy challenge team challenge where we first tested the team concept at South Point in Las Vegas, all the testing was done. All of the protocols were set, um, and we ran an eight-week or ten-week team series that, during yeah. the, the heart of the pandemic. And our guy, it, it was a way for our guys to get paid and fed. Not only the riders, but but the crew, you know, the the television crew and the the production guys. They're all independent contractors, and and what he did, uh, you can't say enough about the the way that they all came together to do that for the guys working it, but for our fans as well. And, and I just I'm incredibly proud. Like I've been at all the leagues I've, you know, I've, I've touched it and I felt it, but never had I been a part of something like that where the world's falling apart and our guys are thinking about how do I help my people feed their families? Yeah. yeah. Which was, I thought phenomenal. Um, one last business question for me. Um, you think about trends in licensing, consumer product development, et cetera. How much bigger can it get? Because it seems like you've been around this business a long time. 
Yeah. My sense is, while I haven't seen any data, I know I learned some of this from Glenn and Sifa, is that participation in certain sports obviously ebbs and uh, ebbs and flows. But it seems though licensing just keep, continues to expand for a lot of the big properties. Is that first of all, is that a safe assumption? And if it is, how how does the growth continue? Like where can it go? We've talked about the lifestyle brands coming into pro sports, even some of the teams. The NBA just announced some of this. So can you address right. that? Yeah, you know, and I, I think a lot of it, you look at what the big guys are doing, it's alternate jerseys, it's changing logos, it's it, it's not necessarily reinventing the wheel, it's just creating new things. If you look at the NFL sideline, you see a different hat or different sweatshirt just about every weekend. So these guys can and, and then every hardcore fan wants to have what they're wearing on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's part of it, is that they just keep changing up and, and the guys that are doing that I, and, and at some point you can only have so much licensed product but there's an insatiable appetite by the hardcore fan to wear a jersey when they're going to a game to wear a you know the, their favorite team hat um so it some of it's that the lifestyle side of it i, I don't think has ever really exploded for anybody even like the NBA has has partners that do incredible ladies bags and dresses and whatever you know it does okay but it's not it's not what people think it is right it, it's sort of like a, a, a to me a fashion show the stuff that they're wearing walking down the runway isn't necessarily what your wife and daughter are gonna buy and wear so a lot of what you see is just kind of not fluff but it's very segmented and targeted. The expansion right. comes by making the changes and selling fresh stuff to your your hardcore fan base. Right. So that said, just my the the, the, the follow up to that is at this point in history for PBR and the other ma- other major properties, what percentage of your work is outbound prospecting and selling versus inbound fielding of licensing inquiries? Uh, for the PBR, it's it's ninety five five. Really, I mean, we're we're selling ourselves to others, right? We we okay. have to break through. We're you know all you got the new women's hockey league. You got um, you know volleyball. You've got all these smaller sports. Pickleball. What's going on in the world yeah. of pickleball? You're gonna see pickleball license soon, and it, it, you kind of look at it as somebody's been in the and you kind of shake your head, but they'll find a way to to leverage that. Um, you know, one of my stops that you failed to mention was in the bowling industry. When mm-hmm. I was there, we were just starting to get the the merch side of it going. Well, the bowling industry hired Legends. Legends goes to the big tournaments and they sell millions of dollars worth of clothing to bowlers. Uh, and so it, it's just something that you look for your niche, you find your way. And those that aren't doing it through a license are doing it themselves with partners like Legends and fanatics. Look what fanatics okay. are doing. Yeah, they're, fanatics, they're systematically right. getting rid of all of the the players and and owning all of it. So it's safe to say that that ratio changes dramatically when you get to leagues like NFL, MLB, yeah. NBA. Absolutely. Yeah. What what, so do you, what would you estimate it to be in, in the big league in the right. bigger leagues right now? Just out of curiosity. I'm sorry. What would you estimate that ratio to be at this point in history? Bigger leagues have probably got ninety percent coming to them. Wow. So for those of you listening, thinking about careers and licensing, that's something to consider. Well, what, see, interestingly, so the other side of this is that licensing is the part people take home with them. Right. 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 So 
So Important. when you think about jobs in the industry, all of those companies that make the apparel and the and the tchotchkes and the plush and the homewares, those are all sports industry jobs. And people don't think of that as a as a way. Yeah, to the ecosystem of licensing is enormous. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the, the one of the things I know that you guys are big, big college crowd, right? So I do a lot with Fairfield University. As a matter of fact, we've got an event coming up in Bridgeport. I work with three grad students, and they help me with their capstone projects. We put together a plan to help sell Bridgeport. Um, just love working with college kids, and, and Fairfield U is my alma mater, and I live here, so it's relatively easy for me. But one of the things that when I go do the career nights and stuff, I talk about is just get good at something. If you want to mm -hmm. be in sports, you don't necessarily have to start out just running you know, um, stats to the press room. You can go get really good at finance and then come into the sports business in the financial side of things. Mm -hmm. yep. um, you know, my own son is somebody who I, I have one son that could care less about sports. And he's a drummer. And I have another son that all he wanted to do is be around it. Right. And he loved all the different things that I did. And when he's looking at, at what to study, he's looking at a sports management program. He's looking at finance. I'm saying do the finance thing because you can do finance anywhere and, and sports. You, you limit yourself. You can always do finance in sports, and and that's so that's something that you got to kind of consider when you're thinking about getting good at something. If you're good at something, they'll figure out a way to get you into where you want to be eventually. Yeah, well, that's a that's a good uh, way to um, get into our last segment. Joe, unless Joe, you had any more questions? No. Well, yeah, he actually answered the last question first. So that we're I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry. No, but I, I'd like to expand on that just a, a little bit as we get into these final two questions. We'll start with our usual second question first, because he just talked yeah. about career advice. Talk about you. You are a, a great salesman, and I and I truly mean that. And I think one reason I asked that ratio question is that one way to frame jobs sometimes, at least in the career conversations I have, is to think about buy versus sell which is a conventional way of thinking of finance jobs and finance, for example. Mm -hmm. Are you on the buy side or are you on the sell side? Sports has obviously big areas on both sides of that ledger. Absolutely. And you really have to think about that because it's a different kind of experience and it requires di sometimes different, typically soft skills. Talk about that. Like what, what are you, when you're, when you're hiring or your company is hiring now, what are you looking for in soft skills most right now i think you know to me attitude is so much underplayed today like so 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 many of the young people that i've kind of kind of come in contact with they they just sit and let it come to them many times right i, I look for people that are aggressive that want something that volunteer um that are not waiting for it to come it, it so much of and i think we're kind of on the back end of it but the everybody gets a trophy generation is coming through the the, the, the coming into its careers now, right? So they expect that they're going to get a. It's like with everybody going back to the office. Well, I shouldn't have to go to the office five days a week because you know nobody does that. Well, you know what? Go to the office five days a week. Get to know your colleagues. Volunteer for something. Stay till five thirty, six o'clock, eight o'clock. Don't think that it's five o'clock and it's time to go. There's always something to do. And you can do that with a good attitude and not have a face or a, you know, you, you can embrace <laughs> face. I love it. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you see so much of it. Now, part of it is our fault because we built offices 
that have these tables that go from one wall to the other, and we stick 15 kids there, and then they all stick something in their ears, and they've got their computer on their computer, and they've got the other screen on the on the desk. We don't set it up so where they're interacting as much. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying have more meetings. I'm not saying it's just you know when when we were when I was at Clarion with Glenn and Ed Horn and Gordon Kane and those guys, people would come out of their offices and we'd play Papa Shot and talk about the events of the day, what's going on in our industry, what's going on at our right. homes. And, and we all helped each other when we were working on a presentation or a deck. Now everybody's kind of yep. got siloed and got blindfold, you know, the blinders on. And it's like, I, I really think that if you get a kid that shows that they're interested and they want to do something or they got an idea, don't be afraid to come to the table with that stuff. Agreed. That, that's what's going to separate you from all these others. I don't care how smart you are. I need, I need some smart, but I need a lot more attitude. I need some good, let's go get mm-hmm. it. More the more than I got a four Yeah, you know, couldn't agree more. And and well said. Um, all right, and then the last question. Yes, sir. How do you keep up on everything? What are you reading, listening to? What are you, I'm what a are big you using to, to make sure you got all the info you need every day? I'm a big SBJ guy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I get the licensing trades every morning and and go through those. I'm a synopsis guy. Um, I, I read that every morning and, and see what's going on in the entertainment industry because we're sort of a part of that. Um, I, I'm not a big podcast guy. One of the reasons is my commute is two flights of stairs. So <laughs> it's, it's finding time to do that when you when your computer's sitting there and you know you got a thousand things to do that day. It's sort of you jump right in. Um, but I do like I, I do have to kind of pay attention to some of the Western lifestyle stuff. Right. What's going on right right now? We just came out of NFR for, for those that listen that, that don't know anything Western. It's the National Finals Rodeo, which is a 10 day culmination of rodeo across the country in Las Vegas, where they do Cowboy Christmas for people that are in the merchandise business. Cowboy Christmas are vendors that sell a lot of handmade things, but Western lifestyle wares, if you will in four different venues in Las Vegas and the different convention centers and stuff for two weeks in, in December. Um, so I, I follow what's going on with those things. I spend a lot of time with, with some of my key licensees like Wrangler and, and Harriet and talk to them about what's going on in their businesses and, and that kind of thing. And the other thing I, I try to follow is a little bit about what's going on at retail, right? What retailers are doing well and, and, and how do we, I've got to figure out how to break through the clutter and, and, get a niche. So a retail buyer is buying based on what he thinks is, or she thinks is going to turn enough times on a rack in their store to make them the money that they want to make. So I'm constantly looking at what's turning, what's selling. How do I kind of battle against that? You know, when I was at WWE, I had such trouble breaking into Walmart um, because they had SpongeBob at the time, SpongeBob. and, And they said to me, I could put John Cena on that rack and I could put SpongeBob on these five racks and those five racks will sell more than that one rack because everybody wanted SpongeBob because they put us in that youth category. And I was there during the attitude era and we shouldn't have been in that category. Um, And that you want stories that like back in the day, uh, biggest regret in the business. I did the first ever um, celebrity video game tournament in public. So I had wow. sixteen. I had sixteen wrestlers at our fan access 
at WrestleMania 18, 17. Um, and I had 400 fans that came and watched them play a video game. And then the guy who won played against the fan. And uh, like why I didn't think that I could take that and turn it into something <laughs> like seeing where, you know, video gaming has gone. Um, but uh, that's off the topic. So anyway, I, I, I try and stay up. What's going on at retail? What's going on in the entertainment world? What's going on in Western world? And obviously, um, you know, licensing and the sports industry in general. I picked up something there, Joe, that I don't think anybody's ever said in all of our pods about career advice, which is the idea of just, you said you're talking to your licensees, talking to customers, talking mm -hmm. to partners and asking them kind of a similar question and kind of using, you know, assimilating all that information and then checking the stuff out. Um, but actually getting their perspective on things because ultimately you're trying to be aligned with their business interests. And that part of that alignment is going to be based on the shared information maybe that you're referring to uh, yeah, day in and, and day out. Think That's about a good point. It. It's important for me. They're, they're not, I'm not their only partner. Right. Right. So Wrangler's working with Barbie. They're working with Laney Wilson. They're working with all these really cool things. And then they've got PBR. Right. How, how do I fit into that infrastructure? Right. You know, right. How do I get my fair share of representation from your sales force? So those are things that that I that keep me thinking at night, you know, keep me from closing my eyes. So, but look, it, it's been a great ride. You can say a lot of things, but I've had more fun, I think, than anybody else in, in this business. I've, I've done some really fun things. Um, Absolutely. Well, had, thanks for spending time with us. So friends along the way. So, yeah. Um, um, so, so wait, 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 Tom, I have one more thing I'm going to add. I want to add that? looking at John's picture, which obviously people are listening. We're going to add a new category starting today. Tell us your favorite item. Oh, ah. that's a good, that's a good, that's a good one. Cause there's so many people in the business that have these tchotchkes and mementos. Yeah. So yeah, What's you got a lot John? back there. I do. What's my favorite one? I got this. Interestingly. The first iteration of the XFL. Wow. I was hired XFL football. I was hired by Vince McMahon the day before they announced the XFL. Mm. And in my interview, Mrs. Mrs. McMahon said to me, do you do gimmicks? And I didn't know how to answer that question. Um, yeah, what does that mean? That's an interesting question. With, <laughs> one of the things I was tasked with was um, we need a football and it can't be like the regular football. And we need uniforms and it can't our, our logos can't be like the others i brought bruce burke in one of our old colleagues from oh yeah sure another connecticut guy yeah. yeah and then i worked with a guy named chris waldeck from spaulding who is now the president of lee jeans um to create the first xfl football wow because when i talked to spaulding they said we can't make it black we don't do black football okay i'll go find somebody else waldeck was like let's go do it so i have the first this is the one that we used but I also have one that we didn't use, which had silver. Wow. And this, these are the first like demos of the, the balls from 2000. That's, that's a, 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 we have, we have, we have a new cool thing. We're going to do. I was going to say Joe for um, the first installment of, of this new uh, segment. That was a really good uh, choice. Yeah. Um, we got to figure out a way to maybe include these images, Mike. Yeah. So, um, so Mike, yeah, hold it. Hey, John, hold up the balls, and Mike Schrader, take a picture, please. All right. Mike is great. Mike is horrible at taking pictures, by the way. So. <laughs>
That wasn't in his job. That's great. That wasn't in his job specification, Joe. Um, just take a screenshot, maybe. I got it. Um, you got all it? right. So wait. All right. Before we say goodbye, because we all have to go, where can everybody find you and get more information about PBR coming to the Northeast, both with the MSG yes. oh, I got, I got and also Madison Bridgeport, Connecticut, March the first, first weekend and second. of March. Yeah. So fair, Madison Square Garden, uh, January 5th, 6th, and 7th. Um, and uh, March 1st and 2nd at uh, Total Mortgage Arena in Bridgeport. Use the promo code Fairfield and get 20% off your tickets. Wow. Nice. Uh, except for P1, the top priced and the lowest price don't get a discount, but everything in between, 20% off promo code Fairfield. Ticketmaster. Wow. Good one. I love Look it. at that. Your viewers. And uh, since I, I know this one, I will mention that PBR, a, a great domain, PBR.com is yes. the home of PBR. They also do great stuff on social media. And um, I know you used to have a thing called Ride Pass. Does that still exist? It's on Pluto TV, 24-7. Okay, yeah. So those of you with Pluto who want more Western lifestyle sports stuff, go Even to... Even if you just want to test it out. And go to PBR.com and see the, the Cole Hauser film. I highly recommend okay, cool. it. And PBR yeah. Shop for anything... PBR. Buy the book. Buy Andrew's book. Love and try. Buy Andrew's book. Yeah. Love and try. Buy the coffee table book. Celebrating thirty years. <laughs> well, there's a lot of stuff coming out of this yeah. pod, Joe, related anyway, to bull riding. Let's wrap it up, Tom. Licensing guys are fun. Remember that. Yeah. Uh, and look, I started out. I started out on the sponsorship side. I know. That's when and, I first uh, met you. Yeah. Now I know. And now I'm a t-shirt guy. Well, so there, so there, by the way, so there's our T-shirt, Tom, to end the year. Licensing guys have big stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, John Suhegan, thanks so much for spending time with us. Um, we really probably should just have a special follow-up episode at some point where you just tell stories. because yeah. we, we can have uh, a lot beca of fun. Because of your I, diverse, I diverse set of experiences, you probably have mm. uh, more than anybody I know, maybe even Joe. And Tom, um, Tom, we're going yeah. in the cage. You're I'm going sorry. in the cage. So yes. So for those going, please uh, check us out in the cage. Uh, that'll be right. first for both of this, us. This will be out before that, so people are will actually guys, listen and say there. Yeah, we'll put this out right around, uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's, and, and then or the weekend. We're now meeting it. I think that's what yeah. I'll be. So, if you anyway. if you guys would like, I can have the announcers announce that it's the two of you that are going in. Oh, there. we're absolutely going to do this. We have to do this. So anyway. I think we should take it one step further and let each of us at least. Get on the bull, you know, to kind of get ready, and then obviously get off as soon I, as they've I, gotten the pictures. I don't taken. think you want to do that. <laughs> no, so, no, are you both going to come on the fifth? Even, wait, wait, even on the even on the we'll shoot, because like, we can't just do a shoot a photo opportunity. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll, we'll we'll get Andrew to work on that part. That Friday is, the fifth, we will be there. So all right, Friday the fifth. Tom, thanks the so much. Um, that was really fun. Thanks everybody yeah, for listening. Good. Thanks for a great twenty twenty three, Joe of interesting tremendous hopefully productive and really fun conversations with so many yeah. different people in the business we really appreciate the help behind the scenes particularly mike shredder and his predecessors We've got a lot of great students involved we really appreciate the effort they make we appreciate the support of the program thanks everyone for listening and happy holidays and happy 2024 we'll see you next year <laughs>